Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snowship podcast. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, and I know I think I say this all the time, but we only cover my favorite topics here because it's my podcast. <laughs> one of my favorite topics, we're talking about women, money, and the mistakes we make. Now, empowerment around money for women is something that is so near and dear to my heart. You know, you've heard me, might've heard me talk about on this podcast before about the alarming stat that women are 80% more likely to be impoverished in retirement than men. And that, like that, that stat like literally just makes me really, really sad because there's no reason for it in reality, other than the patriarchy, let's be honest. So today, my guest is Tanya Visayo, who is the founder of The Courage to Be Happy, a global community of high-achieving women entrepreneurs who are working to become financially empowered and independent. She hosts the Your Increase Your Income and Impact, her signature live event to help women expand their businesses and their mindsets. So welcome, Tanya. I am so happy to have you with us to, for this conversation. Thank you, Jennifer. I am so looking forward to this and see what comes out of it. So tell me, what has made you so passionate about the topic of women and money? It's funny because if you would have told me five years ago that I'd be talking about money, I would have laughed and said, not me. You know, that's not me. We don't do money. We don't talk money. That is a taboo subject. And from where I come from, you know, I was born and raised in Spain at the end of Franco's dictatorship in a very patriarchal country and a very patriarchal family, too, because my dad's seven brothers and just one sister. She's the youngest. So the message that I got from a very young age was money's not a woman's thing. You know, that's what mm. patriarchy does. You know, it's it, right. it, it wasn't said to us directly, but it was said to us indirectly. You know, it was always like, you don't need to worry about those things. You'll grow up and you'll marry a man and it'll become like the cliche, a man's a financial plan. And if you are not lucky enough to marry a man that'll take care of you financially, then don't worry, your brother will. And if you don't have a brother, then your dad or your uncles will, you know, like there will always be a male figure that can take care of you. And there were other things that were oppressed, but since we're talking about the, the subject of money, I also at the same time was always seeking for freedom. You know, I've just like, I just have this freedom spirit and my mom's American. So even though I grew up in Spain and I'm Spanish, I also have the opportunity to live here in the US. And when I got here, I my career started out in art direction and advertising in New York City. I worked for a multi-million dollar accounts like Starbucks and AT&T Wireless and Nabisco and just all these huge corporations. And it wasn't until I went off on my own, I started a studio with my husband where we offered all kinds of creative services. 
And we ran that for about six, seven years, just getting by. And at one point, my husband said, you know what? I don't think I want to run the studio anymore. Here you have two creatives trying to do business with no business training, no business background, no understanding of money. At that point in my life, I really didn't know much about money. I was scared about money. I actually, when we lived in Spain before coming back to the US, I transferred my whole 401k from corporate and I rolled it over into an IRA. Not knowing what to ask, I just got given, I was given a representative in Citibank to do this for me. So I lost a lot of money because I gave my power away, you know, with my money. It's like, oh my God, give it to someone else that understands, but I don't know what questions to ask. So anyway, once my husband didn't want to run the studio anymore, I said, okay, that's good in a way because I get to do my thing and run it my way. And I want to learn about business. So I you know, got the right mentors, right coaches, and I grew my business uh, really fast. And other women started asking me about it. I started by teaching about creating a successful brand because that's what I knew in mm-hmm. advertising. But as things were getting more successful, other women were asking me, how are you doing it? What systems are you putting in place? And so I started teaching about business strategy. And in the process of business strategy, I started my journey of learning about money. And one of the classes that I was teaching about money was money mindset, you know, because you can learn all the strategies and business in the world. If you don't deal with your money crap, it's going to come up again. You could be making seven figures, high six figures, you know, whatever it is, you will lose it all if you haven't dealt with your money blocks, if you haven't dealt with your self-sabotages, if you haven't dealt with your money beliefs. So I needed to do that healing first and understand. That's why I say I would have laughed at you if you told me six years ago that I'd be talking about money because I consider myself a creative, an art director. We don't, I don't deal with business. I don't deal with money. That's the man's thing. And now I'm fascinated because along that journey, I looked for the right coaches, the right teachers. I doubled my money, not in seven years. Like they say that that's what the average that it takes in the stock market I doubled it and like, I don't know, four or five, you know, I added a zero to the end of what I had invested initially. So I've been on this path of just wanting to learn more, you know, like how can money work for me instead of me working so hard for my money? And now I'm on a mission to teach other women to do the same because we are smart. We've just been oppressed by patriarchy. Like don't get together with other women. Don't talk about money. Don't create sisterhood. You know, it's better that you guys are all against each other so that we can still have the control. But there are also statistics, even though like what you said, Jennifer, that 80% of women will have a lot less money and retirement. There's one statistic that stands out for me that comes from the UN or the yeah United Nations. It's, it was like 95% of women will reinvest their hard-earned money back into their families and their communities compared to only 35% yeah. of men. Yeah. So if we can get our stuff together as women, also there's another statistic that say that women are better investors than men because we're not so emotionally attached. We like think things out, you know, like we kind of second guess. So we have a lot of advantages if we're really wanting to learn about the subject. 
And I think we could really be successful. My vision is, and my mission now is to go talk with other women, make this not a taboo subject, but a, what are you doing? What were your mistakes? How did you learn? What are you investing in now? How can we grow our money together and reinvest it into the community and and into the causes that we believe in? You know, women want to give back. We're nurturers by nature. So that's been my journey and why I ended up where I'm at right now by default, not by choice initially. Yeah. yeah. It's funny where life takes us, isn't it? So you were just talking about this whole notion that, and I think it's actually a pretty common one. And you can tell me what you, what you think is like the fact that women struggle with money more than men, like with their relationship with money more Mm -hmm. than men struggle with their relationship with money. Is that true? Do you think? And, And why? It all goes down to programming. I do think we struggle more with it because thanks to patriarchy, we've been told that we're not as good as men, that it we require more. Like we're just, we're not as good as them. That's what the message, that's what the programming has been for centuries and centuries and centuries. It doesn't mean that men don't have programming too, because I do believe that we are all born not knowing anything. And then the programming came. The morning we came out of the womb, there were beliefs given to us by our parents, by our caretakers, by our teachers, by our culture, by our religion, by our everything around us, by the media. So we absorbed all that information from ages zero to seven, and we created a meaning about money. Yeah. Within those beliefs and that meaning, women, I do think the majority, again, I'm generalizing, but there's some women that might not feel identified with this. If they're one of the lucky ones that have the support in their family or in their culture or in their religion or in their background that are that have already done the work on this. But one of the programmings for us is that we're not as good as men with money. And here's the thing that we have to remember as women. No one is born knowing about money, men or women. And so we have to keep reminding ourselves as women that if men could learn about this, so can women. And we can learn about this too. So I do think that the answer is yes, that we have more difficulty with this because it's part of the programming. And there's also men out there that have a programming that there's pressure on that. It's not fair to men either. I mean, we have to kind of detangle this whole patriarchy thing because there's men out there that feel like, well, why do I have to have the pressure to know and carry all the finances of the family? If my wife is better than I am at doing that part, you know? So it's a, a sticky situation that we have to start untangling. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, I think the conditioning runs really, really deep. And I think that the women of our generation uh, in particular are kind of on the leading edge of change because our mothers and our grandmothers weren't as empowered, definitely not as empowered to be able to take on. And this, again, it's a gross generalization because there's a lot of women who, who did, who did, you know, make Mm -hmm. themselves very financially successful throughout history. But I think as a general cultural conditioning, the women that came before us were much more less empowered than we are now. And hopefully our generation then changes the way that the future generations of women are thinking about money. A little while ago, I was going for a walk and I happened to pass two little girls playing on the sidewalk. 
And as I walked by, the one little girl said to the, and I don't know what the context of their conversation was, but the one little girl said to the other little girl, well, when I start my company, and that was all I heard. I love it. These two girls are maybe like five or six. And immediately I thought like, wow, I never thought about running a company when I was a five or six-year-old girl. I didn't even know that was an option for me, right? Like I used to play secretary because I was going to go work in somebody else's company, right? Mm -hmm. And it just really struck me that I'm like, oh, wow, this is the beginning, you know, of us, our generation of women financially empowering themselves. This is the outflow of it, right? Like it goes down, it flows downhill that five-year-old girls can see themselves in that position. So hopefully we're on the leading edge of change around all of this. Yes, I do believe that's a beautiful story. And what a great little snippet that you got in that. Because like you said, that you thought that you could be a secretary. I mean, think about that of previous generations. What were their options? Usually secretary, nurse, or teachers, you know, again, part of the programming. And it's, there's even, I think it was in 1974, up to 1974. It's not that long ago. It's almost 50 years ago that women were not allowed to get credit or a bank loan to start a business on their own without a signature from a man, from their spouse, from their father. I mean, This is here in the U.S. We're not talking of like really oppressed countries where women can't do anything. Like we want to think that, yeah, we have so much freedom as women in the U.S., but this just happened 48 years ago. Yeah. And not even business loans. We're talking women couldn't get a credit card, even if they had jobs, you you know, earning their own money. They were not allowed to get a credit card without having a male co-signer. Like that is mind blowing, isn't it? It is. It really is. We And here, Jennifer, just the thought that, that we're still working on the gender gap pay, you know, it's like women are making 80 cents to a dollar that a white male, a white man is making. And it gets even worse for women of minorities, you know, women of yeah. color. I think it's like 72 cents a dollar that a white man makes. And For Hispanic women, we're like down at like 60 something cents for dollar Native American is even lower. I mean, this is still happening like this. I really that is a vision that I have in my lifetime that we need to close this like that needs to be closed. And like you started with the beginning of the interview of I want women to be able to retire with more money because they're savvy investors, because they're talking with other women about money. They're informing themselves. They're feeling strong. They're feeling powerful. They're feeling confident having a money conversation and with what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because in the line of work that I do and on this podcast, we are talking about, you know, midlife reinvention, like women aligning with their truth, sharing their gifts in the world. And inevitably in every conversation, the topic of money comes up. Like whenever you make a big life transition, the topic of money, it was true for me when I was doing it. The topic of money is like, oh my God, I hope I'm going to be able to support myself and what I'm doing here. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is something that is top of mind. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so happy to have this conversation with you today is because we come into this conversation feeling already kind of a bit disempowered in that, right? Like based on everything that we've just talked about. Right. And 
again, it's hard to, you know, create your kick-ass next chapter and to chase your dreams if you can't put money on the table, put food on the table because you don't have enough money. Like, mm-hmm. not hard. It's down there, right? Impossible, right? Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You got to start yeah. at food, and, <laughs> you know, food at the bottom of the pyramid. And so, as women, what are the biggest mistakes that you see us making with money, and how do we move past those? And maybe just like you know, maybe one or two of the top because I, I know. Okay. You- yeah. I'm trying to see what is most alignment right now that we might need to hear. The first one that's coming to mind is starting to shift this mindset from there's never enough. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, we are a first world country, you know, like in the sense of there's a lot of people on the globe that are living with far less than what we have. Even if we're not to take away from the struggles, you know, of paycheck to paycheck. I respect and we're wanting to look at that, but I also wanted us to shift a little bit into that mindset of not so much, there's never enough. I don't have enough. Like we, in, in my last online event, we raised money for women in Guatemala that are learning how to sew so that they can have a business to provide food for their family. Yeah. And they're the ones that are taking this on. And so we raised money to build a center for them. And the stories are heart-wrenching to me in the sense that they might go four days without being able to feed their kid, or they have to choose which kid to give food to. So that puts perspective, you know, things into perspective for those of us of how much we do have. Yeah. And I do, one of the places is to start shifting that mindset of there's not enough. I don't have enough. I know it's very real for a lot of people, but I do believe too, that we live in an abundant universe. And if we can start shifting our mindset from there's not enough to seeing all the abundance that comes into our life from small things that we take for granted or big things, you know, you could look at it like we have running water. You wake up every day and you have running water. I look at that in the morning when I'm filling up my water pitcher after I've heated up my tea. And I think to myself, oh my God, I am so grateful for this water. And if any of you have had their water cut off for a day or two days, you become even more grateful because you're like, oh, I didn't have to go shower somewhere else. Or I, you know, like, then I have to go get the jugs of water at the grocery store. There's people, millions of people that have to walk around each day for miles to go get water. So that right there, that's abundance that we have, you know, that we have water, that we have clothes on ourselves, that we can feed our children, you know, our families, that we can feed ourselves. So it's an invitation to start shifting and seeing the abundance that we do have. This is an exercise that I do with the women in one of my signature classes. It's called Money Magic Miracles, where we keep track. I call it universe cash. And what universe cash is, it's discounts, gifts, things that we get on a regular basis, you know, and we get it daily. You know, a friend invites you to a coffee that you were already going to pay, write it down. That's universe, the universe giving you the abundance. It's just not coming in the shape of money. It's not, it's gifted in a different gift wrap. Mm -hmm. You know, it's coming as a gift. It's coming as a discount. It's coming you know, so that's where I'd invite everyone to start shifting your way of seeing things and say, oh my God, this past week, 
three friends invited me, one to a coffee, another one gave me a little, I don't know, gift. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me that she just got a frame with a beautiful quote in it. That's a gift. That's a gift from the universe. Or maybe someone made you a meal and just brought it home for you. You know, those are gifts that are wrapped differently than yeah. money. So we yeah. have to have perspective with that. That's one way. And another one that I did want to talk about is the invitation to talk more about money. As women, we've always been in community. We like talking. And instead of talking and connecting about gossip or what so-and-so is wearing or what this person did or didn't do, why not talk a little bit, open up a little, be a little bit vulnerable. What things did you do right or wrong with money? Be curious, start having that conversation. Money does touch everything in this world. Like you're saying, Jennifer, you know, it's like, if you want to transition, you're in your fifties, you know, you're going into your wisdom years and you want a new life for yourself. You're going to need money for that because money does touch everything. So why not, as you're preparing for it, ask other women, what have you done? You know, like what courses did you invest in? What programs did you invest in? What did you buy? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Because no one's doing it perfectly. I just mentioned before that I did great in the stock market. I can also share with you the stocks that went tanked and they just tanked on me. I'm like, oh, well, what happens now that I lost this stock? Like, do I, like I have zero money or does this go back up on the exchange? Like, get curious about these things. And when you talk with other women about their mistakes and you can collect other people's mistakes, I always look at it as that's a gift. It's like, okay, well, let me collect all, everyone's mistakes and let me see what might work for me or what might not work for me as I'm moving forward, as well as the resources. You know, when you're in a community and you can talk with other friends, colleagues, sisters, aunts, grandmas, mothers, you know, whoever that safe community is for you, that it's amazing how much you can grow within that and how much you can learn. Yeah. Where can I get credit? How can I fix my credit? Where can I get a loan? What resources are out there? And so my invitation is that is start having that conversation with other women where we share resources, where we talk about our mistakes, where we talk about our triumphs and we can together grow collectively because yeah. the more we stick together, the more we grow together. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because I think for a lot of women, and I know I would have included myself in that, like up until recently when I really started like really digging into my own money story, I think there's a lot of shame associated with money. Mm. Right. And so what you're just yes. talking about right now about having conversations about money, you know, mm -hmm. like sometimes we will have these like very superficial top line conversations about money, but we won't feel safe enough to be able to dig into here's the mistake I made. Like the other day I was talking to a client actually, and on the topic of money, she said she just has recently gone through a divorce. You know, she didn't work for most of her you know, her married life because she stayed home and took care of the kids and blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah. And she said, I'm so ashamed that I didn't fight harder for what I deserved. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow. Like it just like same reaction that you just did. Right. It was like she said, she said, I didn't know how. 
right? And then, you know, so she just let things slide and maybe she didn't, you know, get the divorce settlement or the, I don't know the specifics of it, right? But the alimony or whatever. And, you know, now she's in this place where she's like, I feel so ashamed about that. And it's the first mm-hmm. time she'd ever said it. And I feel like there are so many stories like that, maybe different circumstances, mistakes we made, things we did do or didn't do, whatever it is. Like, how do we, where do we find the space safe enough to have the conversation, like to have those real true learning conversations about money? I mean, obviously you offer, <laughs> you offer those spaces. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I do have a Facebook group where we talk about that. I know for some people it might not feel safe enough, but you know, I do try and create community in that sense. And it's such an important point, what you just said about shame. We all carry money carries so much shame with it, you know, like Mm -hmm. things that we did wrong. And that's part of one of the big money blocks that I see a lot, which is money as a root of all evil or some Mm -hmm. version of that. Yeah. So if you were taught or you were programmed from a young age that money is a root of all evil or money, people with money are bad or, you know, like in the case of this woman that you spoke to, you know, like, shame on you, you know, you didn't get the best out of the divorce, or you didn't know how to advocate for yourself, you know, like, the first place that I'd say for anyone that's carrying shame, because we all carry it in one way or another is shine some light on that and share it just with one person. Yeah, I'm not saying go out and blast it on podcast or like, this was the biggest mistake. I couldn't even talk about like when I went to that Citibank to roll over my 401k into an IRA and we came back from Spain after four years, I lost a lot of money because I wasn't invested, right? Because I didn't take the power because I gave away my power. You know, now I can see the mistake, but at the time there was shame of not knowing more about money. So I didn't know what questions to ask. And even though I have postgraduate degree, I consider myself a smart woman. There was shame within it of like, you don't know enough. You're not good enough. So I'm just going to keep that tight and I'm not going to do anything about it. Because, oh my God, I'm not, I mean, that is so hard to share with other people. Like, why would I ask my dad or why would I ask my husband, again, the men in my life to teach me about, you know, finances. And luckily I have a husband that, you know, has always supported me and empowered me with, with these kind of things. And he's the one that said to me, why don't you contact my family's financial advisor and ask him for a list of companies that have dividends and you can invest in the stock market. And he said it super casually, like, this is like the easiest thing. Like we all know how to invest in the stock market and we all know what companies with dividends are. I had no idea what a dividend was, you know, like that's how ignorant my financial knowledge was. And so this is a mistake and I can share that now, but if you would have asked me to share that back in the day, like Mm. the only person I could share it with with, with my husband. And I said, well, Ben, what, what's a dividend? You know, like, I feel a little bit embarrassed. Like, how am I going to, he's like, oh, a dividend is like when they pay you every, you know, like he was explaining to me what a dividend was. And then I did, I felt a little bit stronger, a little bit more confident when I called the financial advisor. Then he gave me the list of companies and certain ones. I'm like, I am not investing in those companies. I don't believe in their values. I don't believe in what they're doing in the world. Check. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. 
And then I'm calling him off. You know, I'm like, Hey, these are the companies I want to invest in. You start building, you know, you start melting that shame by sharing and shining some light. You can only shine light on the shame you're feeling by sharing it with just one person. Yeah. And that friend of yours or that colleague that shared about the divorce, that's a starting point. Yeah. So for any other woman that's going through a divorce, I will share another story of a, a good friend of mine that's actually a financial advisor that helps uh, women. And she said she had a client that when her husband died, she had no idea what to do with finances. Nothing. I mean, this woman was so well off that she never put gas in the car. She never looked at her mail. She had someone that looked at the mail for her. I don't know if it was the husband or someone else in the household. She didn't even know how to write a check. This is a grown woman. And I know the majority of us are not in that case, but it. I'm making yeah. it as a point that when she imagine the shame that she was carrying, her husband dies. She's got all this, you know, maybe she did have a big inheritance. Maybe she didn't, but the shame for her of like, who do I share with now? Cause I don't know how to deal with any of this stuff. I don't even know how to write a check. And so this financial advisor, a friend of mine, she sat down with her. She taught her how to write a check. She taught her how to put gas in the car and Years later now, this woman that didn't know how to do any of these things just bought herself a home, has reinvested her money. So I think the steps there are first, when you're feeling shame with something, just find one person that you can share with it, that you're like, oh my God, I got it off my chest. It's no longer a secret anymore. And so I shared it with someone. Then the next step is, find support. Maybe it's that one friend that you shared with and that they can support you. Maybe it's they give you, you know, advice of someone else that you could get support with because they can't support you in that area. So it's such an important point that you bring up, Jennifer, about shame and how can we start dissolving it? Because here's the thing, you talked about divorce and I just told you about a woman that lost her husband. If we talk about statistics again, 50% of women will end up in divorce. And if you don't end up in divorce, because you're the 50% that remained with your spouse, think about this. 80% of women will outlive their spouses. So why not start learning? So to me, all that means and what that equates is that we're going to have to deal with money, whether you want it or not at some point in your life, whether it's in your fifties, whether it's in your eighties, like it happened to my grandmother. She was married for over 50 years with her to my grandfather. And then she was like 82. And like, what am I doing with all these things? She was lucky that one of her sons was still alive and helped her out with all of this. But again, what if you don't have a son? What if you don't have that person? Why not learn about those things now before the crisis hits? Because most likely there's a big, big percentage that that crisis is going to hit, whether it's divorce, loss of someone or something happens. And then you're not banking on wishful thinking like, oh, I'm going to get to retirement age and oh, it'll all fall into place. I'll figure it out then. No, let's start having these conversations now. Let's start dissolving that shame. Let's start realizing that we are all on this journey of learning it and that we all carry certain stories of shame that we can overcome together one story at a time as we share them. 
Yeah. And you've been making a really important point all along too. um, And that is about the continuous learning, like being open Mm -hmm. to learning. Because I think the other thing that holds us back in so many ways when we get to be in our 40s, 50s, and 60s is that we've been used to being the expert. Like we've been used to being in charge, like being on the top of the, you know, the pile, like in our families, in our careers or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. if you're in the corporate job, like you've worked your way, you know, up to a very senior position. And we go from this place of like, we know everything to we know nothing. Mm -hmm. And like, I know this like in my own case, like, so having worked my way up the corporate ladder, you know, to a very senior position within a global organization, And, you know, money flowed to me, like I got very well paid for what I did. And then, you know, when that was no longer serving me, and then I'm like, I want to do something different in my life, I literally had to tip everything that I knew about business, about money, about myself, I literally had to tip everything on its end, and recognize that I knew nothing. Oh my right. Like I didn't know, honestly, like I didn't know much about myself because I had been so busy doing, 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 working my way up the corporate ladder, right? Like I had to tap into parts of myself that I didn't even know existed, you know, how I made money shifted and my whole relationship with money shifted. Like I had a huge limiting belief about the only way I could make money was if a corporation paid me Mm. that I had to like move out of the way, (laughs) Right. You know, and even how businesses operated, like I worked in marketing for 30 years of my career. Now I'm like marketing my own business. I'm like, okay, throw everything I knew about marketing out the window and the millions of dollars of budget that I used to have for marketing, (laughs) right? Yes. Um, And so this whole notion of just being willing and open to learning at no matter what, well, no matter what subject, but especially around money, because knowledge is power, as they say. Mm. Right. And so, you know, if we get to the point that we're 50 and, you know, all we've ever had is a corporate salary that just constantly flowed into our lives. And, you know, now we want to figure out something different. Like we have to be willing to be able to open the conversation to say, I don't know, but I'm willing to learn. Mm. Yeah. So on point, Jennifer, it's so important. I do believe that I am the eternal learner. Like I will be learning something new until the day I take my last breath. Yeah, you and I me don't both. know what age. <laughs> I might be a hundred. It might be tomorrow, but at least I know that I was always open to learning new things. Like, yeah. like the subject of money. And I think it's it's so important, like you said, we don't know everything. <laughs> we will never know everything. And that just shows me your character and how open you are to be willing to learn new things. And the other thing that I wanted to point out to that, as you said, knowledge is power. And I agree with that, but I want to take it a step even further, which is the application of knowledge Mm, is power. Yes. Because many of us can read a book listen to these podcasts and we're like, oh my God, I'm so inspired. That book was awesome. I learned X, Y, and Z with what they said. But if you don't go and do anything about it, it's not really power, you know, like it's just, you're not going anywhere, you know? So it takes a certain amount of, like you said, willingness. I think we'd have to insert that in there. Like, oh my God, I have that thirst to learn, you know, like just be open and saying, I'm going to learn like a little kid. You know, like little kids are, you know, I'm going to learn, I'm going to make mistakes, I'm going to get up, I'm going to fall down, I'm going to get up again, I'm going to fall down again. 
in my 50s and my 60s and my 40s at whatever age we're at and just say, I'm going to learn it. It's just funny. My husband and I just started learning about pickleball. It's the first time ever. And I do feel like, I don't know, I hope no one gets offended with this, but I do feel like it's a sport like golf, you know, like in my family, everyone learned golf in their fifties. And I feel like pickleball is like a 50 plus uh, sport, you know, because it's, it's kind of easier and more comfortable than tennis. So, but where I'm getting to with this point is wanting to learn something new, you know, and if you read biographies of any of the successful people in the world, you know, successful leaders, they usually allocate a certain amount of time throughout their day, an hour in the morning or in the evening to yeah. learn, to read books, to listen to podcasts, to just learn, learn, learn. And my invitation is to take it to the next step, like what you did, Jennifer, you know, like you knew everything was tipped upside down for you and that you had to learn, but you took it the next step, which was willing to do it and do the work to, you know, (laughs) I'm learning it and now I'm growing with it. Because like you said, you know, I came from the advertising world too, but these, you know, millions of dollars in budget and it's very different to market yourself than it is to market someone else's product. Oh, and where is that money coming from? So you do want to learn about that too. You know, like, oh my God, where's the, where am I raising capital for my business? How am I, you know, cleaning up my credit? Where can I do that? Yeah. So it's all about learning these things. Such an important yeah, subject. you know, and I make it sound like, oh, I just showed up and I was like, here I am. I'm willing to learn. No, I had to bump into my ego several times. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like berate myself for not knowing the things that I should know. Like, you know how many times I've said to myself, I'm a marketer. How come this is so hard? Like, why am I struggling with this? Right. Like I have a whole like 30 year career of marketing. Right. But it's being open to knowing that there's not, no matter how much you know right now, there's more to know and there's different things to know, right? And a little while ago, I interviewed a woman on the podcast who's 75 and starting her second online business. She went from brick and mortar retail to an online business to her second online business at the age of 75. I love it. And the one thing she talked about is she said, I show up every day and I say, what can I learn today? Right. Mm. And I was like, oh, gosh, yes, that is so true. Like, and having that mindset is everything. Right. And then the other thing that I think is so important, and you alluded to this earlier, is this whole notion of having an abundance mindset, like being able to see possibility in things, right? Like knowing that it is possible to repair your credit, that it is impossible to, it is possible to build a nest egg or to get yourself out of debt or, you know, recover from your divorce or whatever it is, but you can only do that from the place of being open to the fact that it is possible, right? Like having that abundance mindset. It's so beautifully said. I love the word possibility. You know, it just, it opens (laughs) up so much. Like you're saying, it's just knowing deep down that you can learn from other people, you can lean in, you can get the support. And when you live in that world of possibility, it's just so many doors open up of opportunity, of learning, of of just magic. I see possibility as just magical things happen. You're starting to live in the flow. Opportunities come. You start feeling lucky. So if you can step into that, and again, I don't want to take away from anyone that's in a state of suffering right now. Like if you're going through a divorce, if you're going through a bankruptcy, if you're going 
you know, through paycheck to paycheck, whatever it is, you know, whatever your transition is right now, just know, like you're saying, Jennifer, that there is room for you to turn that around. You know, just just yeah. know that it's there. Allow yourself to grieve through it because it's not all like, oh, yeah. bright, shiny colors, you know, and everything's going to be perfect tomorrow. But just it's one step at a time and and know and just hold that space for possibility of what can show up for you. Yeah, it's so true. And having like creating a visualization or having a vision of what it is that you want on the other side of it, right? Like even if it feels really far out of your reach, like having having that vision and just anchoring yourself in that vision and just like stay focused on that's possible, you would be amazed at how things will line up to bring you to that place. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. So we talked about the application of, so first of all, learning, getting the knowledge, and we talked about the application of knowledge. So if there's a woman listening who is in the middle of a transition in her midlife, like she's creating something new in her life, maybe it's a new career, starting a business, you know, and she's thinking about money, (laughs) as we all are, like, what is like the one, the first tip or the first piece of information that we should apply, we should learn and then apply? Is there like somewhere that you would recommend people start? I think, yes. The first place is getting into alignment with your intuition and see what it is that you're desiring. You know, once you Mm. connect to that intuition, it's like, okay, well, what I want you know, if they're coming out of a divorce or I'm wanting to shift careers or I'm wanting to start my business when I came out from corporate, what is it that you want? Like, ask yourself that question. What do you want? What's that that you're desiring in this next phase? Because then you can create that vision that you're talking about, Jennifer. You know, like once you create, you know, you're connected, you're creating that space to be in silence, to, to listen to your intuition, to listen to your higher self, maybe journal, maybe go on a walk, maybe a silent walk, maybe do a meditation, you know, whatever works for you, because each person is differently, but allow that space to connect with your higher self, with your intuition, and then answer that question, maybe go into journaling. What is it that I want? What is it that I want in the next year? What is it that I want in the next 10 years? What is it that I want in this next phase of my life? What is it that I want in the next week? You know, what is it that I want today? Like this woman that you're saying that she wakes up and she's like, what can I learn today? Or what what have I learned today? So I think it's, that would be the first step, you know, just follow your curiosity and connect with self because your soul, your, your higher self, your intuitive side knows what the journey is and knows what that answer that we've kind of been pushing down with busyness and with, with life and being a mom and, you know, working in corporate and just, you know, busy, 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 doing, 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 doing that. We don't, we don't know. We've kind of like abandoned our dreams, our vision yeah. you know, of what it is that we want. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, even like having a vision, creating a vision of what you want for your life and then reverse engineering it into, okay, well, how much money, first of all, do I need? Do I need? <laughs> right. Absolutely. For this life. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, here's the bills that I've got to pay or whatever. Or if you know, if you want to travel, how much money do I actually need to like go travel? And then like, you know, reverse engineer it back to that. So at least again, 
you have a framework within like within like I don't need a million dollars. Really, I need a hundred thousand dollars. We'll do it. Yeah. Because yeah. often I think when we're thinking about the money equation in our heads, it gets completely blown out of proportion, right? Like mm-hmm. we're thinking about all the things that we don't have, as opposed to like you talked about thinking, seeing what we have. And sometimes what we actually need is not as big as we think it is. It, absolutely. That's an exercise I have that women do in one of my programs where it's like, what does your rich life look like? What does your abundant rich life look like? And but get specific, like you're saying, Jennifer, like pull out pen and paper, pull out a notebook and say, okay, my rich life and my dream, because yours and mine might be completely different. You know, like you're saying, I might, I'm not into fashion, like all oh, the latest trends or the most expensive dress or purse or whatever, but for someone else it is, you know, it's like, oh no, I need $500 purse because it's part of my image. It's part of the way I want to carry myself. And I want the 500 dollar pair of shoes or a thousand, you know, whatever it is. But for me, it might be, I want to travel. I want to constantly learn, you know, so going to events, going to classes, taking courses and write down that, make like an itemized, you know, list of what that abundant rich life looks like to you. And what is the cost? Because sometimes like you're saying, it's so abstract because we haven't done this exercise that we think we need that million dollars. But then you're like, oh my God, if I wanted to travel to one exotic place once a year, it really doesn't cost. I thought it was going to be a $15,000 trip, but I looked it up and it's only $5,000. And if I get a little bit thrifty, I could even do it for 3000 because I'm pet sitting or doing something else. You know, so suddenly what seemed really, really far away is a vision. Yeah you're like, I can actually attain this, you know, like, this is not as hard as I thought, you know, like, what I need is an extra $5,000 a month, or I need this other thing, you know, so it it really helps to get clear, you know, as to what it is awareness, I always say start in a place of awareness, tune in, what is it that you want? And then the next step is like, get very clear with that vision. Like it, sometimes it seems daunting and scary because you're like, oh my God, but that's going to cost so much. I don't even want to look at it because I cannot reach it. Maybe do it with a friend or with a couple friends, pull out a glass of wine, do it during an evening and then share with each other. Like, oh, well, what kind of things do you want? You know, in your rich, abundant life, you know, and it's like, I want to travel. I want nice clothes. I want nice meals. I want my hair done or I want massages. You know, like I don't do my nails. Other people are big into the nail thing. I'd rather get a massage instead of getting my nails done. So you have to budget for that. You know, and what is that going to cost you on a monthly basis? So yeah, that you bring up a, a very important point for anyone that's there. It's attainable, but you have to Start with the vision, like Jennifer's saying, and then reverse engineer that into how can I make it work? And it's attainable. I guarantee you it is attainable. Yeah. You know what? That is so, that is so, so true. It is attainable. Like, I think this is the thing, right? And like, you know, if there is one message that I want women to know is that we are so much more powerful than we give ourselves Mm. credit for right? Like we've been taught to be small. We've been taught to be quiet. We've been taught to be, you know, to dim our light. And, you know, as we start thinking about our next chapter in life, like this is the time where we shine. This is the time where we start to focus on all of the things that are important to us. 
right? It's not about, you know, what's important to us as the mom or us as the wife or us as the corporate person or whatever it is. It's what's important to us. And we have the power to create that, whether it's financially, whether it's a business, whether it's a charity, whether it's like whatever dream we can come up with, we have the power to create it. And, you know, all of the stuff that we've talked about today, and especially around the money thing, stuff, right? Like we have the power to create that too. And the difference between us creating it and not creating it is our belief in our ability to do that. Yeah. Which is- Amen. It, and as you're saying, creating it and creating it, like what kept coming to mind to me, Jennifer, was we are creative beings. We have, created, yes. and especially as women to create life, to create human beings, whether you chose to do it or not, you know, whether yeah. you chose to become a mom, but as a female, if you were given a female body, just all beings are creative, men and women. But on top of that, women have been created to create. So we have it. It's innate in yeah. us. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, we're the ultimate creators. <laughs> I mean, yes. you know, that we can make a, what is it? I just read this. I saw this stat somewhere that like that we can make a human inside our body in 270 days. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's insane. It right? really is. <laughs> if we can make a human without even all this effort, you know, because we're not there thinking like, oh, we need to make an arm now. We need to make a leg. We need <laughs> to make the head now. Oh, you know, know, like, right? We do not do anything. It's an invitation for everyone that's listening to say, wow, yes, we create human beings without even thinking about it. What else can we create that we want to materialize and bring forth into the physical world. Right. And, you know, the end of our reproductive years is not the end of our creative ability. It's literally changing the direction of our creative energy, right? So it's no longer about creating from our wombs, right? Like it's about creating with our gifts, like creating with our knowledge and our experience, right? Like us as creative beings, we're from beginning to end that way. And, you know, the fact that we go through menopause or we have the ability to reproduce or not reproduce or had kids or didn't have kids, it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I like love we that. Creating. We have the ability of creating with our gifts. I'm, yeah. I'm quoting you on that one, Jennifer. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. what the, I call it the wisdom years. You called it the maven years, the right? Maven with years, yeah. Menopo- yes. Yeah, yeah. And yes, Absolutely. Oh, thank you for bringing light to that. So one last question before we wrap up, you talk about somewhere I saw you talk about the feminine freedom principles. What are those? Feminine principle. I think that to me, we all have male and female sides to us. It's like the yin yang. Yeah. And the feminine side to it, I feel like the energy, the male energy is more of the doing. It's more strategic. It's more going. It's more pushing. Think about even just like as how human beings are created. It's it's giving. The sperm goes, you know, towards the egg. Female on the other side is more about attracting. It's more about receiving. It's more about nurturing. It's more about collaboration. So there are different things. And I'm not saying, I don't think you can operate with just one and just saying, oh, I'm not just going to lean back and wait for everything to fall on my lap. You know, like kind of like this whole idea of like the law of attraction or knowledge is power. It's like, 
It is, and you can receive information, you know, and apply more of that feminine energy to it, you know, and feminine principles, or you can then take what you've received and create and generate and apply, you know, like that's why we have to figure out a way of making that balance and having both of those uh, energies and principles dance together. Going back to where we started with the podcast, you know, patriarchy has been a lot more of a male energy injection into our society, into our culture. And they did it because it's what served men. Men were the drivers with all of this. But I do believe that we are in a time where a lot of more women are rising. A lot more men are getting in touch with their feminine side without freaking out. Because if you tell a man, like, maybe you should connect a little bit more with your feminine energy, they might be like, what are you talking about? You know, but there are a lot more men that are connected to that feminine energy and that accept that and that want to support women and their growth and in their power and how we balance this out in our world. So yes, that's what I have to say with, uh, feminine and the masculine and how we can bring it together, not to push one down or to say men are less, because then that would be swinging the pendulum to the opposite side of patriarchy. And it's not about that. It's how can we bring both of those energies together and how can we support the women? Because it is our time in history to rise up and be able to bring our gifts, like you were saying before, and be supported by men that are doing that too, as well as supporting the men that are embracing that and just doing things in our world in a little bit of a different way. So how do you align the feminine principles and money? Or am I putting two things together that don't belong together? No, it's a great question because the way to bring it together is like where we were talking about at the beginning too, you know, like we're bringing more of like I was saying with women investing, women are better investors statistically than men. So start embracing those parts, you know, and even if you take it back to hunters and gatherers, you know, the men would go out and hunt just because physically they're more prepared for that. The women would stay behind and we would plant and we would create the crops and we would collect from the crops and we would gather together in community. That's how you can start applying the principles to money because you can say, okay, while they are hunting, they're hunting for profits and they're hunting for growth. And it's very like, let's bring, you know, we we're bringing the bacon home. Why not like start looking at it from the perspective of the gifts that we have and these feminine principles that as women, like, okay, let's gather with other women. Again, let's start talking about money and a community of women because we feel safe about it. You know, it's kind of like the red tent, you know, when, when the women would go and talk about their period, men do not want to be in that environment. They don't want to have anything to do with it. So gather with other communities, with other women in the community, talk about these things. How could we grow the money together as a community of women? Whatever that community is, it might be locally. You know, I'm just thinking of there's a nonprofit that I go to here in town. It's called 100 Women Who Care. And there's something so powerful. It's, that's what's mm. coming to mind. It's just a community. Yes, you know, it collective. doesn't have to be 
And my community, it's like, look for those collectives around you. And it might be locally and physically where you go there. It might be online. It might be listening to your podcast, uh, Jennifer, and coming into your community and the programs that you offer. But with 100 Women Who Care here in Santa Fe, and I know they have other branches around the country, but it is such a powerful thing. to And this, I used to feel before COVID, they've been doing it online, but I'm just talking about the experience yeah. of being in a room with more than a hundred women, because it started with a hundred women where nonprofits will come and they'll pitch their nonprofit and why they need their money. And you have these a hundred women plus in the room, deciding, choosing which nonprofit they, you know, you cast your votes and then different money, you know, depending on how much money gets allocated, you have to write out a check to the first charity then the other one, you know, like, I'm not going to get into the intricacies of how they do it, but what's powerful and what's amazing to feel is all these women coming together, pulling out their checkbooks. And that's a form of money. Again, yeah. applying the feminine yeah. principles. We're coming together as a collective. The well, other part to go ahead, go ahead. Jennifer. Yeah, no, no. We're coming together as a collective to benefit the community at The community. Large. Right. And that's the part that I love about women and money is the ripple effect. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that is such if there's one thing you can take away from listening today. And I touch on this on my signature program, Increase Your Income and Impact. On the third day, we usually talk about the impact. We're always having an impact in the world, positive or negative. So if you're thinking I don't matter I'm not having an impact. If you're impacting one person, you're already having an impact. Our conversation, Jennifer and I, like you just had an impact on me today. And we'll see where this ripple effect goes to because we don't even know the ripple effect. Like Steve Jobs used to say, you can't connect the dots moving forward. You can only connect them looking backwards and saying, Oh my God, now I remember that day that I had that conversation with Jennifer and the podcast aired and so-and-so yeah. reached out to me and then this thing happened and then for Jennifer. So we have, don't underestimate the impact that you're having right now, whether it's listening to the podcast, whether it's doing the podcast like Jennifer is doing right now, having me on the podcast, we're all having an impact and we're all having that ripple effect. So why not come together as a collective of women in sisterhood so we can start melting that patriarchy and start just shifting the world we live in, just creating a better yeah. world for all of us because everyone's going to benefit, the men yeah. and the women and the children and the generations to come. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having this conversation with me today. It's been amazing. Um, Thank you. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Oh, Jennifer, thank you. I think the best way to start is I want to give a gift to your community, which is it's actually a free guide called Women's Top Money Mistakes and How to Fix Them. And you can find that at womenstopmoneymistakes.com. Again, if you're listening or you're on a walk, womenstopmoneymistakes.com. And it's the perfect place to get started on your financial journey, you know, especially going into a recession right now. You want to be able to not just survive this recession, but be able to thrive during it. And when you become aware of where you're at, what you're doing well, what things we can improve, start dissolving that shame that we were talking about before, it's just going to be a game changer for you. And I've had hundreds of women download this guide and I've gotten them to a place where they're not waking up in the middle of the night worrying about money. 
because they know that they're resourceful when a financial crisis hits or an obstacle hits. They know that they can solve that problem and they can feel more at ease. So when you you download the guide, I'm confident that you will get started on your path of having more than enough. You'll be more confident at starting to save, not feeling like there's not enough at the end of the month. And you'll start seeing where you've been blocking your own money, you know, and, and coming into your life. So as you can see, I'm passionate about this. Please download that guide. You'll benefit so much from it. You know, it'll be the start for you. Again, it's at womenstopmoneymistakes.com. And I'm sure, Jennifer, you'll have it in the notes or something for people to come in. Yeah, we'll put the link to your website and to the free guide in the show notes for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an awesome conversation. You guys listening, I hope you, you know, walk away from this conversation feeling even a 1% more empowered around your money, your finances, that you see possibility that you, you know, can see the areas of abundance in your life. And uh, that's like an amazing start. So thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, I would love it if you would share this podcast with another woman. Let's start, let's start the conversation about money with women friends by sharing this podcast episode. It's a perfect way. Or give us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. It would be so much appreciated. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.